You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the podcast that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. From pop culture critiques to the history of K-Pop to interviews with people in the K-Pop industry and K-Pop artists themselves, to concert and album reviews, to a deep dive into the discographies of different K-pop artists, to K-pop news updates, to stories about the music industry more broadly. This show tries to cover everything about K-pop and K-pop as it applies to the larger music and concert scenes. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P-dot-W-E-E-B-L-Y-dot-C-O-M. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. And welcome to the Dreamcatcher dedicated episode of the show. They personally have some of my favorite K-pop girl group songs of all time. I'm really into that rock-tinged pop rock sound of theirs, and I really just thought they deserved their own episode. So here's a quick breakdown of who they are, and then we will dive into my thoughts and theories about their music video universe, the literary and movie references in it, and all of that. Dreamcatcher was actually a totally different thing at first. It was a five-person girl group called Minx in 2014, and to be totally honest, they had a frankly generic K-pop sound. It just wasn't new or different to me, and so they they saw that they needed to rebrand to pick up momentum, and boy did they. They added two members, and now it's a seven-person girl group that has a very goth princess aesthetic and it's really helped them take off. It help, It's helped them distinguish their sound, their vibe, their outfits. Their look, in every meaning of the word look, is so different now. And it is really resonating with people. So since 2017, Dreamcatcher has been getting a lot of international attention. They toured the USA a year or two ago. They also have a story that's a lot more elaborate now and isn't just one-off videos, but each story is somewhat connected with Easter eggs leading into the next episode, hence why they're getting an episode of the show dedicated to them to address all of these Easter eggs. Each of the members helped create the concept for Dreamcatcher and how they each have a certain nightmare that or fear that they call it that defines their character in this story. But a lot of the character's specific details and what they're meant to represent are meant to be left up to interpretation, as is often the case with K-pop artists and their work. They really do carry their company, Happy Face Entertainment, which seems like an ironic name for a group with that goth aesthetic, but there you go. Happy Face Entertainment really is Dreamcatcher Entertainment now. I mean, they really have rebranded after Dreamcatcher suddenly started becoming so successful when everyone thought the group was going to not make it past 2014, but they rebranded and it worked for them. The group members are Dami, Shiyun, Jiyu, Sua, Yuhyun, Gahyun, and Handon. To be entirely honest, I really wish they would change their band name. I really don't like the fact that they are taking something as sacred as a Dreamcatcher and appropriating it for their band. It is just, it's, it's robbing it of its indigenous roots and I'm really disappointed by that choice. So I honestly never wanted to really like their music, but here I am liking it and I just wish they would change the name. I just, I also, I'm torn because I didn't even know if I would make this episode about them because of that disappointment and I don't want to uh, condone the appropriation of a Dreamcatcher, but I also think about everyone who went into making Dreamcatcher not the artists themselves, but also the songwriters and the producers and the choreographers. Everyone who's brought these songs to life deserves credit and appreciation for that work. 
those who did not have control over the name. So I decided the best way to both honor the Dreamcatcher and to honor these songs in a way that I hope is still respectful is by telling you the origins of the Dreamcatcher and what it's all about and then get into these stories. The Dreamcatcher, as you've probably seen it, has actually a lot of meaning to it. It isn't just something you can hang up in your room for decor's sake. It is used to trap bad dreams, basically, and I'm going to share the origin story in a second, but they're called sacred hoops sometimes and carry a lot of meaning. They're supposed to work only when two different conditions are met, really. When a spider web is formed and when a dreamcatcher is hung over a baby's cradle. A baby symbolizes that step of life when you need a lot of care and attention. And then it also represents kind of the circle of life because you also end your life right back at that state of needing that care and attention. Here is the verbatim legend of the dreamcatcher. And I will link to this on my website on my weekly newsletter. So if you want to read it for yourself and share it, it will be there for you to access. Here we go. Long ago, when the world was young, an old Lakota spiritual leader was on a high mountain. On the mountain, he had a vision. In his vision, Iktomi, the great trickster and teacher of wisdom, appeared in the form of a spider. Iktomi spoke to him in a sacred language. Only spiritual leaders of the Lakota could understand. As Iktomi spoke, he took the elder's willow hoop, which had feathers, horsehair, beads, and offerings on it, and began to spin a web. He spoke to the elder about the cycles of life and how we begin our lives as infants. We then move on to childhood and into adulthood. Finally, we go to old age, where we must be taken care of as infants, thus completing the cycle. But, Iktomi said as he continued to spin his web, in each time of life there are many forces, some good and some bad. If you listen to the good forces, they will steer you in the right direction. But if you listen to the bad forces, they will hurt you and steer you in the wrong direction. He continued, There are many forces in different directions that can help or interfere with the harmony of nature and also with the great spirit and all of his wonderful teachings. All while the spider spoke, he continued to weave his web, starting from the outside and working toward the center. When Iktomi finished speaking, he gave the Lakota elder the web and said, See, the web is a perfect circle, but there's a hole in the center of the circle. Use the web to help yourself and your people, to reach your goals and make use of your people's ideas, dreams, and visions. If you believe in the great spirit, the web will catch your good ideas, and the bad ones will go through the hole. There's a footnote in here that does clarify that some people actually believe the opposite and that the bad ideas are the ones caught and the good ones are the ones that pass through. Sometimes it's vice versa. The Lakota elder passed his vision on to his people. Now the Sioux use the dream catchers as the web of their life. Traditionally, it is hung above their beds or in their homes to sift their dreams and visions. Good dreams are captured in the web of life and carried with them, but the evil dreams escape through the center's hole and are no longer part of them. They have that footnote about sometimes it's the opposite, and they think good dreams go through the hole and bad dreams are caught or vice versa, but all to say that they sift, the dream catcher sifts out and distinguishes the good from the bad dreams so you can catch the good ones and get rid of the bad ones. Lakota believed the Dreamcatcher holds the destiny of their future. And that is where it comes from. It's all about helping use this as a tool to steer the direction of your life. It was a sign in the physical sense and a, just a spiritual sense. The Dreamcatcher is a sign for the Lakota people about 
where to steer their life. It's a piece of, it's a source of guidance for them, and it has a lot of meaning for them. Now that we've addressed that it does have this long history, I do also want to talk now about the group storyline, which is all about being pulled between good and evil forces and things like that, as well as more specific narratives. So let's start where the action all begins with the video for Fly High. Blue butterflies are released into the sky and it seems like a good omen as this girl enters a new chapter of her life at boarding school, but naturally that's not what she encounters. She encounters a lot of things that sometimes seem just quirky and not anything to be afraid of. The girls basically enjoy playing childlike games that show this childlike innocence in them, but also at the same time it's a bit darker than you'd expect. Like one girl playing with a paper airplane, but it's a black paper airplane. One girl seems very bent on trying to kill the spider with her magnifying glass and the sunshine and everything. So just, they're up to some weird things to say the least. And then two of the girls are seen in the woods. Very clear shining reference like those twins in the hallway. There's a dining table scene where they all finally come together and then they just mimic each other's every move, seem to be passing this knife around, point up around them, just very much going through some weird motions like they're all in a trance of some sort. At the very end of the video, a black and white portrait of a group of girls, like themselves, gets stabbed. One of them stabs that big portrait and that ends the video. Key lyric here is I'm trapped in the dream which is a repeated lyric and concept you'll hear throughout their universe and not just this video. A dangerous rainbow is engraved is another lyric that I found really worth noting. A dangerous rainbow is engraved. So again, they play with that childlike innocence mixed with something really dark and sinister happening in this boarding school, engraved into them like fate. During the lyric, a dangerous rainbow appears on the other side of the mirror. A full-length mirror is seen outside of the boarding school, in front of where that wood starts, the woods where those girls, the shining girls as I call them, were standing earlier. The story continues with Chase Me, where this guy is, chasing them naturally. They're not really in the boarding school anymore, I don't think. It seems like they're in a separate hotel. And the guy that's chasing them is basically trying to follow them, and they keep... It, it's very much a game of tag that they're playing, and they keep running into a different room, and he's about to catch them, and then he doesn't. He sees lights flickering and other indications that they're like, Yoo-hoo, over here, and he gets there, and of course they're gone then. They keep appearing and disappearing, and he feels like his eyes are playing tricks on him. They are essentially like ghosts that he's seeing. Make a pin in that note. The girls hold this seance of sorts. They surround one of their own with this bed of flowers and candles, and they rip this eye out of a teddy bear. It seems like that's sort of like a voodoo doll substitute. Not that his eye came out, but just that he can feel pain or confusion when they do something to the teddy bear. The guy in his hotel room then taking a break to figure out what's what to do next is watching them through security footage that is in his hotel room somehow. He's really confused because as he watches the security footage, he sees the girls in exactly the same places he just looked. As he was checking for where they are, he had just walked through those rooms and now suddenly they're back there where he just looks. So he just feels like his eyes are playing tricks on him and doesn't know what to do. So now he's resorted to just using brute force to get his way. So he grabs this axe and tries to walk down the hall and figure out which axe, which door to strike with the axe first. He gets to one door and thinks this is the one. So he uses the axe to break down the door and it was the right one he picked where the girls are in there. But by the time he breaks down the door, 
all that is there is a portrait of those girls, just like the portrait that was stabbed in the Fly High video. This music box noise is playing at the end as there's a slow motion pillow fight you see replayed on screen. So again, the, the girls just having young, wholesome fun, just playing with their pillows. And then, but that's when the music box is turning. So what to note here is the mirror and talking about this other side of the mirror and how now the girls are they're they're in one side there are those innocent on the other side they are running away from this dude with an axe so definitely a dichotomy there the tables have turned in the good night video where the girls now seem to be tracking the guy down the girls are running through those woods and a bunch of guys are searching for them now it's not just that one guy he's recruited this army of black hooded men to find them but the girls keep eluding their grasp they do see that full-length mirror again that one girl reaches her hand through to find the spell book that they use this is the same spell book that that guy from chase me had been looking through earlier and now the girls went through the mirror from the other side and grabbed that book themselves and are looking into it trying to find clues and just some insight to work off of. They eventually though either give up or just have a moment that is supposed to be symbolically freeing for them when they set fire to that spell book and just sit around the fire enjoying themselves. There's this office library type setting that the man is in still trying to solve this mystery but suddenly there is another voodoo doll type of reaction of sorts and then when the girls burn his spell book now he's suddenly surrounded by flames and papers are flying everywhere and the room becomes a mess. At the very end of the video this man that has been trying to find them gets trapped behind that mirror that the girls found his own spellbook in. He lost thanks to his own forces that were used against him. And then the girls are the ones wearing the black hoods walking through the woods. Who knows what happened to the original hooded figures. But at the very end, of course, we have a to-be-continued moment where the spellbook falls on the ground as they walk away. Whether they intentionally dropped it or what we don't know also worth noting that they burned the book but now it's back somehow so maybe there's some sort of time travel element here and these things are not happening chronologically that's another theory but i won't go into that one today the quotable lyric is in an endless repeating nightmare you'll stay forever like my own doll that's kind of a roughly paraphrased version but that's what they're saying is that'll trap him now the witchery continues with the video for you and i where where there's this pentagram ritual scene dami looks like she's in this snow globe some sort of glass dome so she's in like another world here and now we see a portal in place of the full-length mirror there's a full-on portal so it's not just little hints that there's another world through that looking glass but now there's literally like another world seen more overtly with the portal the portal though throughout the video the main thing to know about it is that it closes so they're trying to get to this portal before it closes and they don't make it there is an older woman scene at one point and one girl picks up this camera to take a picture of her but the woman looks up for the picture and then when she does suddenly she's petrified like she just petrified froze turned into stone the girl who tried to take her picture other detail worth noting are the black smoke clouds the clouds of smoke that form these hands that try to grab them so there are these evil spirits around them the video for what relies more on symbolism than some of the others as opposed to narrative elements the main setting is that's worth noting is this bedroom that looks like a twister went through it. It's super messed up, shaken up. The key lyric to note is deepened lucid dream, caught in a trap. They reference the hide and seek mirror as they call it. Again, referring to that looking glass, the dual worlds here. 
break up my dream. So they are in a nightmare and trying to escape from it, essentially. There is also a crown on fire that is left on the ground. So if you're keeping notes on what gets left behind them as they walk away and move on to the next part of their story, so far we have the spell book and a crown on fire are the things that have been left behind them. The video for Peary takes place in a big mansion that's different from boarding schools or the hotel. This is a brand new place which has these big empty white halls and the girls are in white dresses. They climb up and sit on this white ladder. Clearly there's the symbolism of rebirth and they are trying to have a fresh start in a clean slate. The hand that reaches out to them in this video is not no longer made of black smoke. It's actually a human hand reaching toward them. So progress question mark? There are lots of walls full of things like knickknacks, clocks, phones, dolls, a lot of walls of just objects. And so their they're, girls are walking through this new building looking like they're trying to find a way out, but it's such a maze and there's so many items on the walls and one of the girls has a moment kind of like the Scream movie moment with picking up the phone and freaking out over something. Something's going on inside the house. But the smoke turns black again in Deja Vu. The black smoke envelopes someone the minute she tries to sit on a throne so she she can't reign without the evil spirits coming into her. Some of the key lyrics. The day I abandoned everything is referenced. Terms that reference waking up from a dream or trying to. All the truths I believed covered me in falsehoods. That's a poetic lyric to think about. All the truths I believe covered me in falsehoods. There's a different scene where one main member plays the role of a ruler with a sword and another member kneels before them. They're having like a knighting ceremony of sorts. One girl ends up in a coffin surrounded by blue flowers. Presumably not dead though because of course she comes back in later videos, but there there's some dark stuff going on here. One girl is back at the fancy dining table, but this time she's alone and no one's there to join her. She's surrounded by mess too. And at the very end we see a second moon in the sky and the throne is positioned between the two moons. That placement feels very intentional. You have one world with one moon, the other world with the other moon, and the throne is stuck between them. And if you try to just reign supreme over both worlds and sit in the throne, the black smoke will envelope you and you will be unable to do so. You can try in other ways, like by knighting someone, but it's still not going to work. That's the ultimate gist that I got from that video. And also notable is the fact that it's called Deja Vu, it's the song about Deja Vu, so the girl in the coffin maybe really did die again. The timeline may not be as chronological as you might initially expect. The video for Scream starts with words on the screen that say, one day suddenly the light did not come. People forgot how to say good things. The repeated line in the chorus is devil eyes come. So they are really losing sight of that childlike innocence that started the show. And you can you can sense that. The the antics like playing tag and stuff in videos for like Chase Me and Fly High, they don't do that stuff anymore. Now in this part of the story it's suddenly everything's a lot darker. The light is leaving. The purple portal is back. It is now in a new location. It's in the whole of this old tree. The girls are seen walking away from the portal holding tree in the black hoods yet again. So again, I think there may be a time loop or something not in chronological order here. Also indicating that is the fact that their choreography to me kind of resembles some clockwork, their formations and stuff. There's this purple floating crystal that eventually combusts before a girl can catch it. And so again, it's kind of like the portal where there's a chance for them to reclaim something that disappears before their eyes. 
Boca is a video that seems to go back to more symbolism as opposed to narrative. There are these busts with red tape over their mouths, but otherwise it's a white room, but red tape that silences them. A bow and arrow is shot through the air and strikes someone. One guy is in a background of the street shots, and he's wearing this mask, kind of like the one in the Persona BTS video. Or not Persona, well the Persona concept, but from the actual Singularity BTS video. That type of drama theater mask is what that guy is wearing as he's seen walking down the dark streets. After this quick break, tying it all together. My theories about what all this means for their story, what are they trying to tell us, both in the narrative form and just symbolically. To better understand how each of these Dreamcatcher music videos ties into a larger narrative, it helps to focus on one pivotal music video in their storyline, which is the Piri music video. Piri means pipe in Korean, referencing a flute instrument in this case, which is reminiscent of the classic story Pied Piper. I talked about this in the episode of the show called Tell Me Your Every Story because Pied Piper does have significance in the BTS music video world as well, but it's worth repeating because Pied Piper is a really wild story. And the fable of it all, the moral of the story is all about, I think, honoring your word and keeping promises, but it's a very weird roundabout way they go about teaching that lesson. So I feel like the moral gets lost, but I digress. The quick version of the Pied Piper story is, there was this town that had a big rat infestation and they didn't know what to do to get rid of the rats. So a musician came to town and he was like, hey, I have this magic flute and when I play a certain tune, it is so, it's something that is so alluring to the rats that they will all march out of here and follow me in a single file line like all the cartoons and I will get rid of the rats for you by playing this instrument that lures them away from you. So the town was like, sounds sweet, we'll pay you for it. And so they agreed on an amount and everything and it worked. He started playing this flute and the rats followed him out of the town. But they ended up walking, he led them basically to the river. So I'm not sure if he intended to kill all the rats, but that's what happened because they kept drowning in the river as they walked by it, except for one rat. One rat did go back and go back to the town to kind of send a warning about this shady musician dude. So by the time the musician came back to town asking for his money, the mayor only wanted to give him half of what they had originally planned to give him because of his shadiness. And so out of anger, this musician decided, I'm gonna play a different tune now. And this one doesn't hypnotize the rats. This one hypnotizes children. And it does, so he plays a new tune that lures children to follow his lead to leave the town. These ones don't drown in the river or anything, they just leave. They presumably don't die, but we don't really know because they all enter this portal into this new world, basically. It's a weird plot twist, except for one of them. One of them doesn't make it past the into the portal in time and goes back to spread the word again about the shady musician and tell this story to the townspeople. So at a symbolic level, Dreamcatcher is referencing this magical instrument it could represent things like temptation for better or for worse, talking about the allure of how music can draw people to or away from you, or not even just music but anything, and how you can have the ability to emotionally manipulate other people, and how that power needs to be used for good, not Ron, and you need to think of, think through the consequences of how you're in influencing people. So that's the symbolic way to look at why they reference a Pied Piper instrument. But another way to look at it is more just narrative-based because they have a portal and different worlds in the Dreamcatcher universe, and maybe my, my tentative theory is that Dami might be that Pied Piper 
in this story because that's why she got trapped and is stuck in that snow globe type thing because they wanted to put her away for as a punishment. It's like her jail cell of sorts. Possibly that's what's happening, that one of them, there's a Pied Piper in their midst. Adding onto this theory that Dami is the Pied Piper, Yoohyun in this video picks up a horn or something, drops it, and then black liquid starts spilling out. So it's some sort of cursed instrument of some kind. So she's caught this cursed instrument. So what if Yoohyun is that one kid that didn't make it through the portal in time? So she has to go back and warn everyone about this shady musician, and she's the one who discovered the evil ways of the instrument and was able to tell the others about it. Also adding to the theory is the fact that Yoohyun is reflected in a mirrored upside-down image at one point in the video, as if alluding to the fact that she is seeing that there's this parallel world happening through the other side of the portal, so she's very aware of what's going on. Moving on from the Pied Piper references, there are other references to movies and books and stuff that Dreamcatcher continues, I think, to represent. So stay with me as I break down other elements of the Piri video, and I save these for the very end of the music video timeline for now because they do tie up so many loose ends. In the video for Piri, Shion keeps trying to find an escape, but she ends up in the back in the back in the same room no matter what. So she keeps going back to where she started. She thinks she's found an exit door, but it just leads back to where it all started. She eventually does get to that white ladder in that white room, sitting there looking like she's just contemplating what to do next and where to go from there. Handon is in the room full of clocks and each is set to a different time. And they all start raining at once suddenly. Gahyun is in the room full of wall phones. She looks like she's alarmed and has that scream moment when she picks up the phone and looks wide-eyed. If you pause the video, you'll notice a very interesting detail that I didn't even pick up on the first few times I watched the video, honestly. But when she's looking very, very scared by what she's hearing on the phone, she raises a hand to her mouth and her eyes go wide. I realize the hand that's covering her mouth is not even her hand because she has a red manicure and the hand that covers her mouth is not manicured at all. Possibly this is the same hand that reached out earlier in other videos when the clouds of smoke that formed a hand suddenly turned into a physical human hand. Jiu is in a room where she sees herself in the TV screen sitting beside someone with a veil covering their head. The Jiu in the TV pulls the veil off the person next to her and sees that that's also her. Another reference possibly to the portal and parallel worlds happening here. Sua is the one who approaches that mirror, looking glass, whatever you want to call it, and is in that room with dolls. And Dami is running down this maze of stone tunnels underneath the white room here. A lot of shadow-lined halls. She opens a door at one end of those halls and has a hand pull her inside and, and we don't see what happens when she's pulled into that darkness beyond the room. I hope you put a pin in that shining reference I made earlier because here is my theory about Dreamcatchers, the stories that have influenced Dreamcatcher. I think that not only was The Shining an inspiration for Dreamcatcher's plots in their music videos and characters and all of that, I think they have a ton of inspiration from other Stephen King works as well. Let me break down some examples. The most glaring one has to be the, the Stephen King novel called Dreamcatcher, which was out in 2001. It's a sci-fi book which tells the story of four friends who are defending someone against bullies. They save him from the bullies, and then when they do that, they end up catching his powers. 
And like they were contagious. If you do a good deed, you get the powers of the person you saved or something. Some of these supernatural abilities these guys develop in that book are telepathy and the ability to share dreams with each other, hence the name of the book Dreamcatcher. Remember, Dreamcatcher uses a spider as a clear symbol throughout their videos, and maybe it was intended to be a parallel to the literal parasite that is a part of this book Dreamcatcher. The book also has stuff like an alien invasion going on and stuff that's not relevant here. There's a lot packed into that novel, but the key detail I would point out is the fact that they are sharing dreams with each other and they have the ability to communicate with each other across dimensions if need be, you could say. Let's address some key details from The Shining. There's obviously the twin scene in the hotel room hallway reference in Dreamcatcher's work. There's the hotel setting in general that they have and supernatural forces really thrive within the hotel walls. What the actual Shining is, not the book or movie, but the term The Shining in the book and movie, is a psychic ability to see the haunted past of the hotel setting. And maybe that's why the girls are kind of memorialized through that black and white portrait and other images of them are seen throughout the hotel. They are like the ghosts that haunt this hotel now. They are the Shining, or the guy who's come to get them is the Shining. He sees the past of this hotel. I want to share some plot points from The Shining, so spoiler alert, I guess, but it's quite old for me to have to warn you about a spoiler. But anyway, this there's a snowstorm that knocks the phone lines dead. Danny, the son of the main character, Jack, draws the word redrum a lot, and redrum backwards, if you look in a mirror, says murder. Jack busts down a door with an axe at one point, phone lines being dead, looking at something reflected in a mirror to say something more sinister, busting down a door with an axe, running through a maze. Peary and other videos like Chase Me especially are clearly very similar. Jack tries to catch Danny when they're running through this maze, but Danny tricks Jack into going the wrong way, gives him a false hint, leads him off his trail, and so Jack gets hopelessly lost. Danny eventually gets out of that maze, but Jack doesn't and freezes to death. Last detail to note is the photo hanging in the hotel in that story, which then features a picture of Jack in a party setting. So Jack is, is memorialized with a picture in the hotel. Kind of like the fact that all those girls look like they're in that vintage black and white portrait in the Fly High video. It's also a little reminiscent of that slow motion pillow fight feel good moment at the end of Chase Me, like looking back at a party memory before things went south. Some more Stephen King works that I think Dreamcatcher was influenced by. The Dark Tower series of books, especially The Dark Tower 4, which is called Wizard and Glass. That book cover has this globe image of sorts, kind of like the globe image that Dami was trapped in. Also noteworthy from that book is its inspiration from The Wizard of Oz, another story about, you know, a man behind the curtain and something not being what it, you thought it was on its surface. In The Dark Tower, instead of pulling back the curtain and seeing the wizard, the characters pull back the curtain and can see the TikTok man, as he's called, who is this character obsessed with clocks. Remember the wall of clocks? That's a big part of the Peary music video. The Dark Tower, The Drawing of the Three is another book in the series that's notable here, which is all about doorways to these different worlds, which is super relevant too. So Wizard and Glass and The Drawing of the Three are both key books to note. In the book called The Talisman, 
this guy named Jack Sawyer is on this mission to find this crystal called the talisman. That's the name of the crystal that can cure his dying mom, basically. And on his quest to find the crystal, a long story super short, he ends up in a parallel universe during that journey. So we have the crystal being brought up, which was in a Dreamcatcher video, and the fact that someone's trapped in a parallel universe. Then there's a key pair of books from 1996, Desperation and The Regulators, which were actually intended to be written as parallel universe stories. So Desperation is a book that is, has certain people as the protagonist, certain people as the antagonist, etc., and that's totally flipped in The Regulators. So they are intended to be partner books in a way. Fun fact, actually, one of them was originally written under a different pseudonym, so you didn't know at first, maybe, that Stephen King wrote both. You may have thought that someone was just trying to write a fan fiction that flipped everything on its head and used the same story but changed some things, but actually it was just Stephen King plagiarizing himself, if you want to call it that. At the end of Desperation, the book, Seth and Audrey, the main characters, they die and are presumed to have become ghosts, and what is found after they die is an image of them tucked into a letter, and the image is of Seth and Audrey holding hands. Kind of like these old vintage images that are left behind when Dreamcatcher members possibly became ghosts. And of course there's the whole parallel world aspect here that stays relevant. What really ties this all together and proves, I would argue, that Dreamcatcher was heavily influenced by all of this work from Stephen King is the fact that Stephen King writes in three different fictional towns. There are three fictional towns that make up the Stephen King universe, and different Stephen King books belong in one of those three fictional towns. One of those towns is Derry, Maine. Guess what stories are all set in Derry, Maine? The Dark Tower, Dreamcatcher, Secret Window, Secret Garden, a novella which references a secret garden, which was one of the scenes in the Boca video, and Insomnia, aka the name of Dreamcatcher fans. Insomnia, that, that book is about also supernatural abilities when one of the, Ralph's the main character is sleep deprived and then suddenly somehow being sleep deprived gives some supernatural abilities. Anyway, so Insomnia, Dreamcatcher, Secret Window, Secret Garden, and The Dark Tower, a story about the TikTok man who's obsessed with clocks and things like that, references to a parallel world, all of those stories with key symbols, all of those are set in this st same fictional Stephen King town. So going forward, here are some of my predictions for how they will reference Stephen King going forward. A red balloon might become a symbol for them in the future because it, the book it, references the red balloon a lot. I don't know if they'll go full clown on, full literal clown on any other comeback concepts, but the red balloon might be an ode to it by Stephen King. I could also see them having a prom night Carrie inspired type of comeback sometime. I definitely think in the future they will have some sort of antique store setting for their music video story or a short film to go along with it because of that doll wall. The wall of dolls in the period video got me thinking about them being around antiques because Stephen King has this book called Needful Things and in Needful Things basically you can go into the shop and buy stuff but you buy by basically doing mischievous things. If you act mischievous, then that's your form of payment. That may be a new level for the story to go. Like a member has to do wild things to 
maybe not buy something at the antique store, but find a way to release Dami or to keep Dami locked up or to get rid of that horn. But there may be parts of the plot that are driven by that ability to go through some sort of intermediary station like an antique store. Lastly, I think they might have some more butterfly references in the future because the blue butterfly is really what started all of this. That was the very first symbol at the start of the Fly High video that started all this action. Which brings to mind Alice in Wonderland. We've talked at length in the 80s episode about connections possibly to Wonderland that K-pop artists have used. I definitely think the butterfly could be one involved here, especially if they're into classically influenced stories like The Wizard of Oz. To recap, in the Fly High video, a girl is sent off to boarding school and realizes now she feels like she's trapped in some sort of parallel world or trapped in the dream, as the lyrics say. There's the Shining reference. There's the fact that all the girls are passing around a knife and look like they're under a trance. There's the spider imagery and then the girl stabbing a portrait. The Chase Me video features the guy who's looking for the girls and they keep eluding his grasp, using supernatural powers maybe to teleport away and to stop him from seeing them. They're ghosts basically that haunt this hotel as he tries to break down doors with an axe and have other Stephen King book references in his actions. And then at the end, he opens the room he thought they were in, and all that is left behind is an old photo of them. In Good Night, the girl, one of the girls reaches her hand through the mirror and grabs the spell book out of it, so now they're interacting more with the other universe, but they set fire to that spell book. But that doesn't get rid of their problems, obviously, with that other world. More voodoo doll type stuff happens because the supernatural forces that are compelling this dude are clearly still there and now the man is trapped in the mirror on the other side. So the girls feel like he's getting his comeuppance, but the action is of course not over because now one of their own is trapped. Dami's in that snow globe type setting for you and I. That is also the video where an old woman looks up and gets and causes the girl to get petrified from her stare and the portal closes before someone can jump into it. Piri features the walls of dolls, clocks, phones, all of that other symbolic stuff, and hands reaching out to silence someone. Deja Vu features one girl presumably dead, surrounded by flowers, and there's that scene with the throne between the two moons representing the two different worlds, showing you gotta pick one now and figure out how to do this because you can't stay in the middle like this forever. In the video for Scream, they're trying to reach that crystal, that purple crystal, but it combusts before they can. And there are more clock references with the clockwork resembling choreography. There's also the portal within the tree. Lastly, in the Boca video, one of the characters is in that theater-type, persona-type mask. In that mask, I would keep an eye on. I bet that symbol will come back as well. Whether that has to do with Stephen King or not, we'll see, but... I would definitely keep your eye for out for red balloons, an antique store, a mask, that persona type mask in the future. Those are my thoughts and theories about Dreamcatcher's music video universe and plots and characters and all of that. Stay tuned because next week their new album Road to Utopia comes out. We will have to dissect that and the music video and all of that. So we will revisit this conversation after the comeback next week. Stay tuned also tomorrow for the show for a new episode of Seventeen Talk. Thank you all for listening today to Seventeen Karat K-Pop, and I will talk to you all again soon.